testimony, you know, again, it is a busy time of year, and I know a lot of us have commitments. I know we do just to get ready for back here to Christmas Eve and to our family, our son's house for Christmas Eve dinner, and then we've got a Christmas morning brunch. Have, you know, uh, a couple, about a month ago, on the, uh, it was the first, no, actually it was less than a month ago. It was the first Sunday of December. We had gathered all of our, uh, four of our five children and spouses and grandkids to celebrate the birthdays that we had had. And, you know, we have a birthday. Every month somebody has a birthday to celebrate in our family. So we took the fall birthdays, October, November, December, and the, all the, the six or seven people, and we just had a lunch after service, after church on Sunday. And we had, uh, we, you know, we live in an apartment, and it's a two-bedroom, and it's got a nice uh, patio that has, overlooks the ocean, so it's beautiful view, but it's small, and we're trying to find ways to make, make the room work. And Cammie had this idea to take another small folding table, which we, we borrowed from the church, and put it right under the stairs, and place the hors d'oeuvres there and then place the food there and just make it so that people were not going and getting caught in the kitchen. They could be from center of the living room and then kind of migrate to the, out to the patio. So after we had done that, it really was successful because it's one of those uh, built in the, uh, the end of the 60s. Uh, so it's got one of those staircases that go up and then go up like this and it's underneath, it's all open, and so it's kind of like useless space, but all of a sudden the space was really useful. And so we decided, it was really funny, before we had moved in automatically, uh, we hadn't planned to move into an apartment, we were going to care for Cammie's dad for, for quite some time, and we were there five weeks after we'd sold our house, and uh, it became apparent that his care level was going to, need, to require you know, 24-7 care, and so it was decided to sell the house he was living in. So we were effectively going, you know, given a, we're going to be, we've got to go find a place to live. So we uh, started by where we, you know, closest we'd like to live, which is just right at the beach. So we found apartments in Ventura, and uh, that miraculously opened. And while we were there, still living in village, Leisure Village, Cami had uh, gone online and found a, a kitchen table because we'd gotten rid of all of our stuff like 80 90 percent of all our furnitures and um, so everything given away just gave 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 and so we picked this table up and it worked wonderfully perfectly but it was rectangular and where our kitchen nook is where the kitchen table you can sit and look and watch the surfers and watch the waves so we wanted to get a round table so we could both share the view and not compete with each other for who gets to sit on the end of the table. So we found a round table, uh, parent, uh, uh, Ukraine, uh, and took the one table that we had, and it, it, it perfectly fit in underneath the stairs because it's white and the stairs are white, and it just fit perfect, and we've used it. And so... That was on one side of the stairs, and then that the Sunday I was sharing about four weeks ago, we, we were using a table, just a plastic table, that we just wrapped it with wrapping paper and, and made, you know, uh, and then we thought, what if we could get a table like this? It's the same one. And it was from Wayfair, so those of you who know Wayfair, it's got everything. But it, the problem is, you know, Cammy started searching and couldn't find it. You know, it was, that's 
almost two and a half years ago. So chances are it may not be there. And she was looking and looking every day. That's part of what she does. She enjoys to shop and, and look at things. And she's gone, so I can tell you that. She enjoys that. That's a gift. Any case, uh, this Friday, this Friday, we were looking at tables. She's going, she, saying, I can't find one. That, that was like uh, we were in that... Uh, uh, mid-century look, and this was all going modern, and the ta- you know, and so she found something kind of like that. We're looking at it, sitting at the table, the breakfast table, and I'm thinking, well, that, that might work, and then all of a sudden, you know, 10 minutes later, she goes, look, here, how, what about this one? And I'm looking at it, I'm going, that's it, and measured, same measurement, and then I said, that's it, that's it. So, uh, I said, how did you find it? She said, I didn't. It just came to me on an email from Wayfair. <laughs> well, we bet, let's buy it. Then we go to buy it, and this is Friday, and it says it'll be delivered Saturday. I go, I've never heard of that, but I, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to argue. So we bought it, and it was confirmed it would be delivered. Well, unbeknownst to us, the Cammy's account had a default preferred uh, address to mail things was back at Leisure Village. So we've got a couple of grandkids over, and I'm thinking, oh, this will be a little simple project. We're going to get this, and it never shows. And right before we went out to dinner with the the boys, Cammie got a call and went on to voicemail. And it was saying, I I live at the house you guys lived at where where your father lived, and a package was delivered. And she's kind of thinking... Well, that's strange, but she calls up and finds out it's a package, and we're thinking, well, maybe it's some, you know, random thing somebody sent. But that night, while we're sitting at, I was looking, I go, well, why did that not show up? And then it says it had been delivered. Then we're going, aha, it was delivered at Leisure Village. And that's when I thought, wow, Lord, if you want something to happen... I don't care what it is you've got to do. You'll make it happen. You'll send an email with, a, with, with the table. You'll order the table with the wrong address. The person who doesn't know you from Adam, who bought the house, will now call you up and say, we have a package for you, how they found Cammie's number, and on and on and on and on. That's the precision of God when his time is set and for us to, you know, to rest just to rest inside. So I bless you with that. I mean, that's the miracle. That is a miracle. The second miracle this morning was I, I get up really early to pray. It's dark. I walk out after I've prayed long enough and I'm about ready to finish. I go to turn the coffee on. Uh, uh, but yesterday with all the hullabaloo and craziness, I had made the, I put the water in the, the coffee maker, but I hadn't put the basket on. So if you can imagine what was about to happen, it's when the water pours on the top of the closed coffee craft and just goes all over the floor. But I saw it. I thought, there's another miracle. I'm just having miracles after miracles. I don't usually see those things. I just kind of... Okay, so enough of my miracles. Let's talk about yours. Uh, This is, I believe, I, I titled this, The Last Mile. And I've meditated on this 
place of Mary and Joseph and us. Because everything that happened to Mary and Joseph is happening to us. We are not the couple that's carrying the babe, but we are the body that's carrying the Messiah, King. And he dwelling in us is for his purpose to be revealed as God placing within Mary's womb was for his purpose to be fulfilled. Uh, I wrote it down this way. Joseph and Mary's on their way to Bethlehem. Their entire lives upended by God's will to send his only begotten son into the world to save the world through them. Now, with God, it, uh, one thing you'll, I've learned is I never fully know what he's doing or why he's doing it. Just enough to stay with him. God is walking with them to Bethlehem, having sown his son into the womb of Mary, dependent on his ability and their willingness to, for him to lead them. The last mile into Bethlehem was one that required complete trust in the Lord, as every mile with the Lord does. It's a, a rest. The last mile to the new Jerusalem will be one of a complete trust in the Lord. And now we are on that highway of holiness, Isaiah 35. Now the Lord awaits the maturity of the bride, the completeness of his church for Christ to appear, not as a baby, but in the body of his church. So uh, I want to just read, we'll start in Luke 2, uh, verse 1, because once God has set in motion something, just like our table, it doesn't really matter what we do or don't do or what others do or don't do. It will come to pass. And when these fullness of time moments are in, we're in a fullness of time, time, both the fullness of time when God brought forth his son, we're celebrating that today, but also the fullness of time when God causes all of us to be summed up into his son, which is what we are finding the strength of God's spirit pulling. And, and uh, I used to call it the, the heavenly gravitational uh, power of the throne. If you, when we read the Revelation, which we're, we're in it today in chapter 15, another one of those worship encounters. The, the center of all creation is in that throne room. And from that throne room, there are four living creatures. And the four living creatures declare the holiness of God. And whenever the four living creatures declare the holiness of God, there around the throne are 24 thrones with 24 elders. And when they, the four living creatures that are in the midst of the throne, declare the holiness, the 24 elders fall down off of their thrones and throw their crowns at, at, and say, you are worthy, worthy. And then once the lamb stand, steps up and takes the scroll, now we've got angels and we've got just more and more, but it's, it's all imploding. The whole of creation will implode to worship and surrender and give itself back fully to God. We are, uh, we're not investing to get more in the kingdom. We are divesting to give glory. And so every time uh, this manifestation of the, of the Lamb and of God's purpose and of the work, 
there is again a falling down, a falling down, a throwing crowns. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. He stands up, he starts moving, and new things happen on the earth. It's just, that's the reality that is going to invade the earth. Because it's the truth that heaven's operating in today. So let's begin. Chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Okay, so first off, the Christmas begins with government overreach. <laughs> Hungry for money, greater control, taking possession, demanding people to do things, taking away rights. And yet, funny, funny God wanted a prophecy fulfilled. A prophecy that had been given in Micah that the child would be born in Bethlehem. Now, had the government not overreached and declared that you had to go, he, they would have probably been born in Nazareth. But you see, Scripture is greater than anything. Everything that is written, thus it is written, thus it is necessary. It will be fulfilled. There is not the, the, we are held, we were created by the word of God. We're held together by the word of God. We will be the fulfillment of the word of God. So the, I, the beauty of this couple, a teenage girl most, I mean, pretty much for sure. We don't know how old Joseph be. He could have been in his 20s, 30s. But together they are traveling. They've already gone through a lot of, tests and trials in nine months. This whole invasion to save mankind, not, it's been accumulation of prophecy and, and prophets speaking and words being given into the earth, but now it's time for the word to be placed in the womb. And all that God needs is one young girl to say yes. And once he says, she says yes, the Holy Spirit overshadows her, and the power of the Most High overshadows her, and the Holy Spirit comes upon her. And that yes to the word that was spoken takes the word that was heard and places it in her womb. The seed of the word, the sperma of the word, which is what the Greek uses for seed in the New Testament, then causes her egg, and there is a conception, and there is Jesus. Now, she knows something happened. Like any of us, if we've ever had an encounter with Jesus in prayer, in the Word, in the ministry, worship, it's like something's happened. I just, something happened. So she goes to tell the good news to Joseph. Joseph wasn't at the meeting. He did not have the experience. And he wasn't too sure he believed. In fact, he started planning how to annul their betrothal. Being betrothed was more than being married than engagement is in our culture, but it, it had everything to be of being married except the consummation of the, of, the, of the marriage. So he's now planning. Well, while he's working his stuff out, right, ladies? A lot of us who are married, we have to understand that each person has to come into agreement and process it. They cannot just say yes to what we heard. They can do that kindly, 
but they, to find real agreement, it's going to be a process for the Lord to speak to them. So Mary was told some good information about that there was her relative Elizabeth carrying a miracle too, a miracle of, of a late pregnancy. And she was six months. So Mary leaves Joseph to deal with God and God to deal with Joseph and heads up into Judea. From that, so she'd be coming south from, from uh, Bethel, uh, Nazareth and arrives at Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth is there and she's like, here's her, Mary's greeting. And she jumps up and, you know, she gets full of the Holy Spirit. I love God. He, you know, he can just do anything he needs to do in any way he wants to do it because he can always turn it back and say, I already did it in the Son. So she's baptized in the Holy Spirit and starts to prophesy. How in the world did you get here? How come I'm getting the honor of having the mother of my Lord show up? As soon as you showed up, the baby in my womb leapt with joy. It, you know, and we, that's where the Pentecostals, I love this statement, I've shared it all my life, is you gotta, you got to hang out with those who make your baby leap. What you're carrying needs to be, have activation because others who are carrying. It's not the same, but it's all within the, the, the assignment, the genre. So what happens is a very complex situation turns into a prophecy conference. And so Elizabeth speaks, you're blessed because you believe that, what, that you believe for there will be a fulfillment of what God's spoken. The, the Greek is not... You're, you're, it's not that you're blessed in believing so that there can be a fulfillment. God does not need my faith to, be, to fulfill his word. I'm just blessed when I believe. And that's a powerful, freeing statement. So Mary now prophesies, and I'll, I'll get us back to that in a minute. So they're in the city of Nazareth, verse 4, uh, verse 5. So, or no, verse 6, I guess we're already. So it was that while they were there, Again, I tried to check that out. We don't know when they were there. I mean, I know the movie show, uh, he gets there about, you know, 7 p.m. and all the hotels are booked. He could have been there. They could have been there for a few days homeless. But while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So we know why they don't have a hotel room. There's no room, no vacancy. But God's doing something. We'll talk more about that this evening. What, what's the intent? These are, these are not accidents. You know, a lot of times I feel like a great failure in carrying Christ for him. I, I'm not able to take care of things the way I would think you would want them done. Only later to see in hindsight he was the one wanting the humble situation. He was the one looking for uh, a, a way coming in under low. Coming, and, but you can imagine Joseph. I mean, like, you know, you're, you have one thing to do is get, your, get, your, get married to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy, to have the son born, and, you know, make sure you've got yourself an Airbnb before you leave. But he doesn't. He's there. But it's God. There was no room for them in the room. There was... They were, and there's a baby being born. So enough said about that because I want to take us to a, an important principle that I believe really is a strong 
and I think it'll carry you through, carry us into Christmas in a great way. God is with Mary and Joseph. He has angels accompanying them, but they're not making any fanfare, and they're not making any move. They're, they're just moving them to something to which he wants to bring. Un, it's the greatest act of humility. He's coming under, just like when, when it comes time for the matured son to enter into Jerusalem to become the sacrifice for sin, he comes lowly riding on a donkey. God is coming through man to overthrow the pride of man, to destroy the pride that was found in Lucifer when he became Satan, thinking he could be equal to God and compete with God. He's coming low. He's, and Mary's carrying that truth. And the thing about Mary is you have to understand, Mary will pay a heavy price to carry Jesus into the earth and through the earth. Because as a mother, she will always, she was there at the cross. She watched her son die. Uh, when she's, Jesus is 12, they would go, we'll, you know, finish the chapter. You'll find that when Jesus was 12, they had always been going to Jerusalem for Passover. But uh, that year, they left and thought he was in another part of the relative's caravan. And they get away, a day away, and they can't find him, so they come back in, a, in haste, and it takes three days to locate him. Because there he is. It's not like, you know, in church. He's sitting there talking to the, to the teachers, the priests, and he, they're, they're, they're going, wow, where did this protege get this kind of capacity to grasp and put together the truth? And... Meanwhile, finally, Mary and Joseph come rushing in. Where have you been? Why did, why did you do this? You've left us worrying sick. Which again, I would, I mean, what would you do? Uh, excuse me, I want to report the missing son of God. I don't know. Uh, you, you, mis, you misplaced the son of God? Well, I didn't really. I, we just thought he was with somebody else the stress, the pressure. And so Mary says to Jesus, 12 years old, your, your father and I were worried sick. And it really, he, she says, father and I. They had to have a, a functional relationship. I mean, could you imagine the attitude Jesus could have had toward Joseph? Dude, I know you way before you were ever known. And I'm not about to do what you told me. And there's no reason to become a carpenter because what's the use of being a carpenter? Because the only thing I'll ever do with carpentry is hang on a cross. But that's not the attitude of humility. That's not the posture. So Jesus only says, why are you searching for me? Don't you know I need to be about my father's house? But then he went and subjected himself to his parents for the next 18 years, and became a carpenter and learned the trade and grew up. The, the, the interesting thing I came to me this morning was, you know, in the Mary ordeal, like in this one, the Bible says that she hid the words he spoke in her heart. And he, this, when the shepherds came and told them what the angels said, she hid the words in her heart. She was a keeper. 
She carried the word, she hid the word, and she held the word. And that word carried her all the way to Pentecost, through the cross. But when she's with Jesus as he launches ministry, we have some accounts of her and family, but we only hear her speak one time, or I could say it this way. At the wedding of Cana are the re- is the recording of her last recorded words. They're recorded into Scripture. And you know what she said after she told Jesus that they ran out of wine? And Jesus said, woman, what is that to me? My time's not yet. She turns away and turns to the, to the attendants and says, whatever he tells you, do it. She must have learned something. She knew if he speaks, do it. She's a carrier of the word. She understood what God was intending, even though she later on, when Jesus is going beyond what a mother wants her son to become, he's going crazy, he's bringing attention, he's healing. I don't know what all it was, but everyone began to think he was a little beside himself, and mom and brothers show up to have a meeting. And, but the house is full, the people, there's no way to get in, so they send word. Let, your, let, let, let Jesus know her mom and her brothers and sisters, they're all there. And Jesus gets the word, and he says, who is my mother and my brother? Uh, these are my mothers and brothers. Whoever has the word of God and does it, whoever keeps the will of God. And um, uh, she was shifting. The one who carried the word now had to submit to the word. And had to, the one who was the, the mother of the son had to now submit to the Savior and the sacrifice. And she had to start releasing it. And that's all this kind of dynamic that's happening in you and me. Because what we heard the first time that just gave us joy and anticipation and expectation may or may not be doing that anymore. It may be demanding more of us than we ever expected. Maybe never, never thought this is the direction. There's no way Mary could have foreseen that the purpose of the birth was to bring him to the cross so there could be a sufficient sacrifice to pay the price for the sin of man that could never be paid by man because man was the sinner. So he had a, a man that had to be perfect in obedience and submission, and it was the Father who had put him on the cross. Because Scripture declared it, it was done by uh, wicked people, but it was done because it was the foreknowledge, foretold plan of God. So, inception. What I believe the Lord wants to do today is release hope. And hope that, that is so fluid inside of God's faithfulness and permanence that we can reclaim our confession of hope. But to, to, to allow that to come back, I want to read to you what Mary says when Elizabeth blesses her for her faith. And it's found in a Luke chapter 1, and this was a verse 46, or we'll start at first verse 45. So this is nine months earlier. 
The Bible doesn't change subjects. It continues one subject forever, and that is Jesus Christ and all that we will become and be and all that he will manifest and do. And so when we begin a storyline, it's, it's got a piece of it, but, and it's got the whole of it inside it, just like a seed has everything inside it, even before it's become two cells and then eight cells and on and on. So Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Fact, it's going to happen. It's set in motion. We're in a mo- we're, things are set in motion. Next year, I can't wait till next Sunday to, 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 to let you in on what God's doing in me, helping me to follow him into this new year. It's, it's it, because he starts way before he needs something to happen. When, he want, when it came time for uh, the word, the prophecy God gave Abraham to be fulfilled and to bring Israel out of the land of Egypt, he says, when the time drew near, so the time drew near, so how, what does time drawing near look like in kingdom dynamics? Well, in that case, it was 80 years early because then Moses is born and then he grows up. Then he has to leave and flee Egypt. So 80 years later. So God's timing is perfect. Though we are like, wow, how did that take 80 years? But when the Bible says that when Israel on Passover left Egypt, the very night they left 430 years to the very day, and God led his army out of Egypt. They didn't look like an army. They didn't act like an army. But God is perfect in timing. And, but it's so much room because we're the ones changing. We're the ones learning, yielding. So now she's a part of this storyline, the fulfillment of time. And Mary said, and, and if you'll hear this, because it's the beginning point. It's the first moment. How did I respond? What did God cause me to say when he spoke to me? What did I... What did I imagine was going to happen when I read that scripture and it came alive to me? So in, chapter, in verse 46, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. If I've learned anything through all my tests and trials, that I, my soul is a magnifier. Focus it on anything, and it'll get bigger. Focus on my problems, and they'll get darker. Focus them on my lust, and it'll get stronger. Focus them on God, and he'll get bigger and bigger, bigger. So I've learned to say, soul, you may be having some struggles and troubles, but rather than us counseling that out, let's just look at the one to whom we are called to magnify and magnify him. And magnify him. And, and it just changes. I don't care where I am, what's happening. If I begin to lift up, exalt the Lord, I begin to see it just, he becomes everything. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And wait, wait, verse 47. I'm, I jumped it. That was my mistake. And my, oh, no, it wasn't my mistake. It was just my dyslexia. Dyslexia. Verse 48, he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. What attracted him? The lowly state. 
the lowly state, the humility, the inability. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. This is a real contrasting. It's the same verbiage and essence found in 1 Samuel chapter 2 when Hannah makes, dedicates Samuel in the temple. He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. This, this, is, our, this is our response to what God has begun and recognition. He, he's mighty, and he's done a great thing for me. Holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. So the re, all those places that we restrain ourselves because of the fear of God, all the places we check ourselves, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we behave because of the fear of God, that is something very powerful, the fear of God. It's coming back because that's where the miracles break out. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. This is a teenage girl, pregnant, not knowing at that moment what's going to happen with Joseph. She doesn't know that he's having a dream encounters. But can you imagine, did you know the proud in the earth, whether believer or unbeliever, that we get scattered in the imagination of our hearts? Meaning we start wandering away without even aware that we're wandering away. We think, oh, I got a bright idea. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to do something great. And we just go off and get scattered because the pride is the thing he's pressing against. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Beloved, you do not have to worry about trying to get to your place in the kingdom. God will make sure you are at your place. And if you try to press your way. And if you do anything that is, 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 is removal of God's kingdom principles, it'll delay your arrival, not hasten it. You can't kill, you know, it just, it's just all the Bible. He, he takes the mighty and puts them off their throne. He exalts the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things. And we had a prayer in inter- on Wednesday night in the intercession. We had the the cry, Lord, release the hunger again. Let us be hungry. Let us be touched by the Spirit so we can feel and may we long for. I, I don't want to miss what you're doing, Lord. I don't want to fail at the last. I don't want to end my day because I'm getting older and I've sensed something in my heart that is not yet finished in the kingdom that I was to see and be a witness. Promises made decades ago. I, I'm pressing. I feel them. I feel them now more than I've ever felt them. But I'm older than I was when I heard them. And I'm not feeling the sense of, uh, uh, like, you know, I could check myself and go, I can do that. I think I'll be fine. I'm ready. Yeah, let's go, God. Well, now it's not like that. You know, what do they say? You get up and go. Got up and went. You're kind of like, okay, you know. But I have a simple prayer, and it worked for anybody. I said, Lord, and I I mean, it's not a simple prayer that you pray it once, and therefore it's done, and you don't have to worry about it. Because prayer is not about once said. It's said until it's 
witnessed by the spirit that has been heard. And once it's been heard, then it needs to be honored and valued and, and expectant and living in expectancy of it. It's, it's a pulling. It's a tangibleness. But my prayer is, Lord, I don't want to die like Hezekiah. I don't, want to let, I don't want the end of my time be the worst of my time. I want the best of my time be the last of my time. I want to be like Abraham. I want to be like Abraham. I want to fulfill the purpose. I want to be like Moses. I want to be like David. I want to go to the largeness of what you have. So please, 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 please help me not get lazy, slothful. I, I want to, I don't, I, I have a sense, but I don't have the means. I know, what you're, I know what you're saying. And I used to really know exactly what you meant when you said it. But I don't know what you meant because all those times pass by. So I'm like an Abraham, which, you know, Romans 4, you could read it. It's a really great meditation before the new year. Romans 4. He, it, was, it says, in the presence of him whom he believed. We'll come back to that. Let me finish this. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Everything is covenant. It's promise. It's, it's God's intention. It's his purpose. It's to glorify his son. It's to liberate the planet. It's to release life. And he's going to use it to, through us. He's going to do it through us. And sometimes that's going to bless us. And sometimes it's going to hurt us. Sometimes we're going to lose Sometimes we're going to gain. Mary dedicates Jesus 40 days. We read that today in, in Nehemiah. They were making promise. We will dedicate the firstborn of, of all children. We'll come and bring the offering. They bring Jesus 40 days. They bring the offering. And here comes Simeon. And he goes, wow, salvation in my hands. And then he blesses Joseph and Mary. Then he says to Mary, this child is for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. And I hate to give you the, the bad news, good news, but bad news is you fall first. Then you rise. You got to fall on the stone and be broken. You don't want the stone to fall on us. But he goes on, he says, and this child will be a sign that will be spoken. It's been finite beings by faith in Jesus Christ joined into an eternal God and inheritance, and calling, and identification. And we think, oh, this should make my life better. No, it's going to kill it. The suke, the soul, the pressure, the trouble, because my life was like the rich, the fool. My life is, mindset is if I have enough, I can rest and be happy. But God says that's a fool. Because what, 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 your soul is not what you're serving. He said, no, you got to be rich to me. you got to live your life into richness in me. you got to be rich inside of me. So we're, we're saying, yes, we came to church. You could have stayed home. You, we got up. We got, you know, we've got more than we need to do, but God first. God first. We're learning God first. I want to return to you, God. So this expansiveness when it happens has to have hope so i want to close with this because if hope is key hope is a blueprint hope is a hope is a format and and in in romans it says 
of Abraham in the presence of him whom he believed. In the presence of him whom he believed. In the presence of, of him whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. So when you're in God's presence, he starts calling things forth that you did not expect. He calls life from where you're dead. He calls things that don't exist as though they actually do. And there's an opportunity right there. What do I do? It says, in hope against hope. So hope is a, is a unique, fluid, meant to be adaptive and responsive to the truth of God's word that faith gives the boisters it, but with the freedom for it to be brought forth in a new way. So by the time Abraham is being told, you're going to have your son, his name's Isaac, and, and, Mary, and uh, 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 Sarah will be the mother, he's 99 years old. He already has a son named Ishmael, and he has all the desire for Ishmael to fulfill the promise that he heard back 15 years ago. And now he's being told it's time. Do you know how many hope things he had to spin off? See, I, I, it took me so long to learn this. It cost me so much because my soul, your soul has a fixation moment. Not only can it magnify, it fixates. God said this, then had to be this. It has to be that because I interpreted it to be that. And it didn't happen. And besides that, that person really betrayed me. And now I have a double problem because how do I know that God can take care of me if when I believe him and follow him, some bad stuff happened to me. And it just... Can you just lock up? But the soul was never meant to rule. It was meant to submit to the goodness of God. Return, O oh my soul. Return to your rest, O oh my soul. The Lord's dealt bountifully with you. Soul will believe anything you direct it to see. The soul doesn't believe, actually. Soul magnifies. The heart believes. The heart believes. And so, uh, Joe, Abraham's going, okay, wow, woo, woo. I'm in your presence. I understand the presence. I know the way you are. You speak about things. You've got me in trouble before because you do that. Now it's going to be this time next year. And I'm not telling Sarah. I already messed that up one time. You tell her, but well, okay. And so he had to do some things. It's very, very clear. To become the father of many nations, which is Hope against hope. He said, all right, I'm going to, okay, we're in. I'm in. I'm, go for it. Let's do it. Then he has to make a quick, quick survey. You know, do I have the resource to do it? Good look. Nope. I'm dead. I'm old. Sarah's always been dead. Her womb. We tried it so many times we could. All right. Enough said. Enough seen. Don't look at it. When it says he uh, did not consider his deadness or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Did not, it means literally he did not observe fully. He did not fixate. You know how old I am? You know how tired I am? That's a Zacharias thing. How can this be? I'm old. My wife's really old. That's the attitude. It's, it's, it's the wear of this journey. Hope deferred that makes the heart sick. The heart to believe can no longer activate because the hope is worn out. It's worn out hope. 
But hope was never meant to last a lifetime. Hope was always meant to be adaptive to the present word of God being spoken and allowing him to have his way no matter what that looks like in the where I am. It's powerful. It's powerful. So we might be being reduced because God's about to be released. And we're going, I'm not being reduced anymore. I'm done. I'm done being reduced. I, you know, no more, no more, no more. God says, okay, we'll just wait. You'll get desperate. You'll, you'll, be, you'll, you'll come back because I'm going to fulfill my will one way or another. And it's going to, what happens to be through you is going to happen. So the weared out hope is supposed to be turned over. Here's my hope I've been in. But now I'm going to step into this hope that's just been presented to me in the press, presence, interpretation, and blessing of the Word of God, the encounter I just had, and I'm going to believe. And now I'm going to take a moment, look at, well, I'm still married to the same lady. I still got the same problems I had before. I'm still in the situation. I'm weaker, but that's just a quick glance. And then I'm going to take the promise of God, and I'm not going to separate it thoroughly. He said he staggered not at the promise of God to unbelief. Stagger is to separate. The, the, I, used to, I like letting the Bible just talk to me and not get caught up in all the details of my questioning mind. Well, how could that be? How can that be? That can't be possible. Mary was just young. She said, how shall it be? How are you going to do this? Zachariah was old. He says, what, 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 can you, what, what can you possibly give me as evidence that this will happen? And Gabriel is going, well, let's see. I basically spend all my time in the presence of God. And you won't believe me. You won't believe anything. You just go, be quiet. Do you understand? I don't want to get old and like Zacharias, have an argument with an angel. I want to be like Abraham, fall on my face. I want to be told, okay, here's some new paradigms. Let's circumcise. I want to be able to do it the day he tells me. There's just, there's a training. We're being trained, and we're going to make mistakes all the way, and things are going to work in a contrary way than we thought they were going to work. But when the Lord begins to break in, or it's time, the fullness of time, he just starts stepping in. So what does he do? He simply has to conclude this. I'm going to believe the hope that's just been released. I'm going to let the hope come forth, and I am going to glorify God. I'm going to glorify God. And what am I glorifying God? You're able to perform what you promised. You're able to perform what you promised. Beloved, get ready. What's coming is paradigm, radical, revelatory experiences, visions of movement that heaven is about to break open in the earth. That we've been, again, that, that, that's like getting a news feed to the Israelis who are Egyptian slaves building Pharaoh's pyramids. Do you understand? It's truth. It's from heaven. It's intentional. But, but all you, we're caught up is in the struggle and the trouble. And yet it, it's, it's a fullness of time. It's a covenant promise. It's an intentionality. So the, the moment that God uh, spoke to, to Abraham, he said, okay, I got to let go of the old hope of Ishmael. I accept the new hope of Isaac. 
I can't look to myself to resources because that already didn't work. I'm going to look at the promise, but not too hard. Not too, I'm not going to sort it out. It's because whatever God said he can do. Now, that's the key. Whatever God said he can do. Whatever God said he can do. Now, I may be aware of what I cannot do with what God said. But whatever God said, God can do. So he became fully persuaded that whatever God speaks, he's able to perform. And then God looks at that, and he says, that's faith. That's righteousness. I like that. That's very difficult. Because when we step in there, I'm just going to close, because I believe there's a, there's a recollecting of us into fresh hope. That's why it's called the confession of hope. And that's why we're called the house of God. If we hold fast the, the, the confidence and the boasting, rejoicing of our hope to the end. So the war is over hope. So when the Lord begins to break into our life, I don't want to be like, well, I don't get that. I don't know. I don't want it. I'm, no, thank you. I want to be going, yeah, okay. Why not? You can do it. You always could do it. Father, I ask you right now, in the name of Jesus, you journeyed with all of these. There's somebody in this room that have had profound encounters with the living God, which set us on a pilgrimage. And the pilgrimage has taken us places uh, that have left us in deficits. And we don't know how to reconcile that, yet we release them. But all of a sudden, there you are, showing up again. I'm asking you for the grace that you give to all believers to release the hope that was first there for the hope that you're giving in this moment, in the encounter, in your presence, as you give life to the dead and call those things that don't exist. Lord God, I'm asking you today, today to... We're going to be looking across the table at lots of hope that failed to follow, follow the direction we had hoped for. We're going to be coming into some storylines that are bigger than anything we could do about. And heartbreaks. And we could easily be overwhelmed and be cynical. But yet, you're the God of hope. <laughs> you're just looking at things and you said, watch me do this, and watch me do that, and watch me do this. And we have to have that little moment. We're going to have, do I go the old storyline, or do I pick up this new story that's being offered? Do I live in the past disappointment, or do I allow disappointment to now be his appointment? Just changing the letter. Mm. Lord, I pray for the grace that we would realize that for you to do a great work, we have to get out of the way. And our ambition or our willingness often is a conflict that we employ ourselves to do the will of God until ourself is exhausted. Then we figure it's all over anyway. And then you come, say, hey, 
Let's go. Can we stand together? I just feel the Holy Spirit's coming to each of us. He knows our story. He knows our life. He knows the eternal word over us. He knows where we're to be tomorrow. He knows what he will accomplish through us tomorrow. He's just here. Talk to him. It all begins with Jesus. Say, Jesus, come into my heart again. Fresh, a fresh encounter that I might be known in you again. Just worship. Just allow the Spirit of God to start moving.
that while we're worshiping, I see Jesus walking in the midst of us by the Holy Spirit, placing within our heart a fresh hope, taking the tattered questions, struggles, troubles, and just pulling it back into himself and placing within a fresh expectancy, anticipation. And the anticipation is more pregnant and more powerful than the first hope that initially began or the other hopes that followed. This is not a repackaging, a remortgaging of a finance. This is, this is like a, 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 a fresh wind and place of enjoyment that comes with boldness and confidence in a place of visitation and habitation with God. And I see him doing it in all of us. I see him doing everyone online at home. I see it's a conversation. Some of us are going to have a road to Emmaus. And the Lord's going to say, can I hear your story, please? You look so sad. And you'll say, well, I am sad because here's my journey. And you'll say, can I tell you how I see your journey inside of me? And all of a sudden, scriptures will come that never made sense, that all of a sudden reframe the journey we've been on. And all of a sudden, our heart starts to burn again. <laughs> the Word of God. And all of a sudden, we start having an awareness. There's an awakening. And then the breaking of bread. And our eyes are open. And there he is. I see him again. I see him again. And we leave the journey we got stuck on and run back into our future. Back to the future. Hallelujah. Lord, I bless your living body here at Jubilee online to have these encounters, to have these conversations, to see Jesus in this present moment in fulfillment of this eternal purpose. In your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Bless our Christmas. May our eyes be open to see family differently, our life differently, our circumstance differently. May our eyes be open to see Jesus everywhere we turn. There he is. There he is. He's readying this. He's preparing for that. He's doing this. He's going to do that. May we be so filled with hope this Christmas that we are smiling where we would have been frowning. We are laughing where we would have been crying. Hallelujah. Grace, grace, grace to our Christmases. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>